Illegal Pete's is Denver's home for the best burritos, tacos, nachos, and so much more. Illegal Pete's is offering the DNVR family an incredible deal. If you guys are heading to any game or any event, stop by Illegal Pete's before or after you go. The same day of your event, show them your ticket and you will get a free draft beer or a free margarita with the purchase of a full-sized entree. Illegal Pete's has nine locations in Colorado, six in Denver, two in Boulder, and one in Fort Collins. So make sure that you swing by for delicious grub before or after any game or any event and grab your free beer or margarita with a purchase of a full-sized entree. Let's jump into the show. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole, a left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. He shoots and scars. Nathan McKinnon. Call J.T. Comfer. 877 goes now. Gabriel Landeskog. Collective hugs. 29 and 92. Save me by Grubauer. Move over, Picasso. This piece of art is by McKinnon. My goodness gracious. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. Davidson's has over a thousand different varieties of beer, as well as wines from around the world for you to try. And for the next couple of days through the rest of January, you can use promo code FIRST10 to get 10% off your purchase of $25 or more. That's F-I-R-S-T-1-0 to get your purchase of $25 or more, 10% off. I'm Nathan Rudolph. The sneezing man you just heard was AJ Hayfley. We are here to answer once again some of your questions about the Avs as we sit in what kind of feels like an offseason in the middle of the season for the Avs because of their bye week backed up against this all-star break. AJ, how has the bye week been treating you so far, first of all? It's been great, man. I I feel like such an accomplished adult. Actually doing stuff with your life? Yeah, I've had I had a pretty lengthy to-do list of things that I really wanted to get done. Uh and I've gotten almost all of them done, including going to see Rise of Skywalker today. So, I have now seen all nine Star Wars movies in the last 2 weeks. And uh I'm glad it's over. So, not a big fan then. Uh you know, the ninth movie was fine. Um, it was, it was okay. I really, <clears throat> I I don't even know how to rank the trilogies or the movies. It's just, they're just not very good. I think. Can I just say the whole concept of starting with a middle trilogy on purpose is dumb. You know, I think, and given its popularity and its time frame and all that, it was fine. But like, like had they just numbered them differently, it would have been fine, right? Um, but I, I think the biggest disappointment for me in the series was the prequels. Episodes one through three should have been amazing. There was already an end game. They already knew where they were headed. The big reveal was already done. Everybody was already familiar with the characters. You know, there was all they had to do was take this really expansive and interesting universe that they had already built. And, like, drill down and tell a very specific story. 
They didn't have to worry about broadening the horizons. They didn't have to worry about all those things when you go into a trilogy, uh, a, a you know, not even just a trilogy, just a series of movies. It could be more than that, you know? And and you're trying to build an interesting universe that people want to continue to visit. And they did that. They did a great job of that in the in the original trilogy, which I, I mean, I like the, you know, I'm not a big sci-fi guy. And I like the original, you know, I mean, it's so big and expansive and there's so many different characters and, and races and it's, it's so interesting, right? Like there's so much that they could do. They built themselves a universe where they could do whatever they wanted. And then they roll into the prequels with a very specific story to tell. It's all about Anakin, right? It's all about how Anakin turns into Darth Vader. And that progression and, you know, to, to go from boy wonder and and prodigy, you know, oh, man, there's something unusual about him. And, you know, Qui-Gon sitting at dinner is like, oh, this boy, there's something about him. You know, like, okay, interest peaked. And then to do what they did with it, which just felt all over the place, it was just very blah. And then these most recent three movies... I think would have been so much better had they just not been connected to the Skywalker storyline at all. Had it just been some other force powered woman or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like a standalone trilogy that just happens some indeterminate time after the events of, of Skywalker and Leia and Han Solo and all that. Right. Like just make it like use the same universe it's kind of like what Mass Effect did with the Andromeda, where they used the same universe and there were callbacks to it and they left little pieces in there. But go and tell a separate story. Now, obviously, Andromeda was terrible, but there were a lot of different reasons for that. Basically, just pick a good book from the extended universe and make it into a movie is what you're saying. Yeah, right. Like, like they could have done and, – and they've. this is the other thing is that they have done – such a good job. At least I've been told. I haven't gone through and watched any of this, but uh, <laughs> the cartoon series, the books, they took this huge universe that they laid out and they expanded it in great ways. And then the movies were just lame. Like they, I just didn't, the, these last three movies just didn't need to exist. Like they, it, they didn't feel like they had any, any direction they felt like three standalone movies that occasionally incorporated the same characters. Okay, a little bit of technical difficulty, sorry about that, but that makes for a great transition away from all of the Star Wars questions that most of you didn't even have, and getting hey, back- Hey, there was- at least one of you reached out and said, when you see it, let us know. <laughs> Alright, well- It's the only reason I'm doing this. Now we can forever stop talking about it. <laughs> All right, Star Wars has been answered. We can get back into some hockey questions. First up, coming from our website. Again, if you want your question answered, highly recommend putting it on thednvr.com. That is where we give all of our priority to. We'll get your questions answered first there. This one comes from Mary. Given their tendency toward quirky temperament, unpredictability in year-to-year performance, and a level of importance to the team... Are goalies the relief pitchers of the NHL? Kind of. 
in terms of year-to-year volatility, definitely. Uh, unpredictability, all that. Yeah, they're definitely very, very similar. Um, you have to have them. You can't win without them uh, in both sports. So I just, I think that it's, I would, I would say goalies, there are goalies out there who are aces for a very, very long time. Um, and with relievers, the ones who are like that, even like five years for a reliever, right? You're, you're feeling like, oh my God, it's a miracle. So, and then they fall apart, you know, like there's just not, I just don't think there are very many like high quality, reliable relievers for very long. And with goalies, you can get a solid, like a a goalie can have a solid, like 10 to 15 year career. Like an Al Montoya kind of thing. I mean, even just look at Craig Anderson. Yeah. And he he was a starter, but not, not in like an, an elite goalie. But a longtime starter and a justifiable one who didn't have, you know, it's not like he's just starting because they don't have anybody else. Like he's been, he started on a number of competitive teams over his career. Yeah. Having, being a, a Rockies fan for the most part, when it comes to baseball, watching the number of pitchers in general, but especially relief pitchers just become head cases is is the thing that I see a lot of similarity with some backup goaltenders. Like they have an issue that they just can't seem to get over and, and it melts them down slowly, but surely. Yeah. I mean, there's Rockies pitchers are unique. Well, yeah, they have some special things to deal with. So, so yeah, no, I think, uh, I think it's, it's real. honestly, it's a good comparison. Um, Goalies, goalies and relievers are pretty pretty similar volatility. Uh, I think goalies you can get more out of. Um, well, there's also less pressure on a re- backup goalie, right? Like you're expecting a backup goalie to get you 500 on the season, and yeah, and like a backup goalie, definitely. You're you're backup goalie. You just want to survive, man. Yeah. Whereas, you know. Especially if you're talking about closers, but even when it comes to middle relievers, pretty much any blown lead is a disappointment. Mm-hmm. So, certainly maybe a little bit less stressful in that regard, but I do think it's a good comparison as well. They're about as similar of a comparison as you're going to get between baseball and hockey as far as positions. All right, next up, Mishi asks... Will Alex Ovechkin break Gretzky's goal-scoring record? This is something we talked about in the preseason, which feels like forever ago, and yet yesterday at the same time. I was going to say, it kind of feels like right now. Yeah. (laughs) Time's funny like that, but, I mean, he certainly has proved me wrong this whole year. He's still an absolute goal-scoring machine, and he certainly seems to be on his way to breaking that record. Still years and years to come for him to do that, but... I think he can do it. He is 202 goals away at age 34. The The real question is, is, did the NHL's labor disputes screw him out of breaking the record? With that missed time, yeah, that would be brutal. His age 19 season is lost because of the uh, 04-05 lockout. Uh, and then 
2012-2013, his age 27 season, he had he still had 32 goals in 48 games. But you play the rest of that season, you play the other 34 games, and you know if you could add, if you could ha- play those two seasons, you conservatively add 50 goals to his total. Right now, and you've got to be feeling like he's a favorite to do it. You would but think so. As it is, at 34 years old, he has to continue to remain incredibly durable and incredibly productive. I mean, 200 goals. That's he's 450 goal years away. Yeah. So I I think he I think he's got a chance. I'm I think he's got a chance. I I think he can I, I really don't know that he does it. The career I just don't know. the career durability that he's had encourages me that yeah he can it get does, there. But at 34, I mean I'm just remembering what Jerome Ginla looked like when he lost it. Because it was just gone. Yeah, that I he mean had, he had back-to-back 20 goal seasons. He was a 29 and a 22 and then it was gone. I mean it was just gone. That's that's the big concern is when what day does the shot disappear? Because as long as he can stand in that spot and snipe goals, he'll be just fine. But as soon as that goes, forget it. Yeah. So it, it all comes down to that. And Aguila was what thirty nine when it went. Uh, somewhere, somewhere in there, yeah. So four or five more good years. Hmm. It'll be close. It'll be close. If he gets one or two short one or two goals short, you can blame the NHL for suspending him after not going to all-star games. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you, that's going to be messed up. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if he's that close, it legit wouldn't surprise me if, like, the Capitals just brought him back until he got two more goals or something. But Right. That, mm, I can't imagine. He announces he's going he's gonna to retire at the beginning of a season, right? This will be it. <clears throat> Does the whole victory lap through the league. Everybody gives him standing O's, respect, all that stuff, right? And then game 82, he's two goals behind and can't get it done. Yeah. What a position to be in. After saying you're going to retire, do you come back yeah. for another 15 games or something? Definitely. And, like, do you come back just to chase that the next season? Like, do you put like, your body through the grind of another NHL season just to get those goals? You get them in the, the third game of the season, and it's like, all right, 79 more of these to go. I don't even, like, I I can't imagine. You, you'd probably have a deal in place with the Capitals or whoever, right, where, like, they'll just release you unconditionally if you get there. <laughs> and, like, honestly, oh, you just bring him back to be on the power play. Like, he doesn't even play minutes besides that. <laughs> The NHL, the NHL just is not the kind of place where they record chase like that, though. That's very true. I mean, you know, it's just not the environment of the NHL. So I, that that would be like a worst case for everybody. We saw it. I'm not record chasing, but what's his name? Oh, I can't remember. Bald guy played his entire career for the Habs, except for one year with the Leafs, and then the Habs brought him back to get to a thousand games. Center. I'm blanking bald on his guy. name. Yeah, well, he's bald at the end of his career anyway. Uh, um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I'll think of it at the break and tell you in the second period. Because right now, we got to end up this period and tell you guys about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. They have amazing beers all over the place. And something really cool is happening Thursday. Gotta get on it. They have a sweet announcement coming. It's gonna be dope. I highly recommend you also show up to uh, the watch party that we're going to be having. Should be fun. There should be Breck Brew there. That's all I'm gonna say about it. But either way, keep an eye out for the Strawberry Sky. Keep an eye out for the Avalanche Amber Ale. Whatever beer you enjoy, they can get it to you because Breckenridge Brewery is awesome. And, yeah, I already told you about the watch party, so come out and have a good time with us. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. We're answering your questions. We got multiple people either alluding to or directly asking specifically about the Avs and if they rely too much on their speed, pace of play, and on-the-rush scoring, both in relation to their power play and with their struggles in overtime on the whole over the last two seasons. AJ, do you think that's the case? Do you think they are a bit too leaning on their rush chances? And if so, how do they get better at what I like to call half-court offense. No. I, you have an identity. You are who you are. I, you know? I'm comfortable I, with that to an extent, but at the same well, time, you got to be able to produce in all situations. Sure, but like every team is going to be better at doing certain things. Yeah. And if you're going to be good at something, you might as well be elite at it. And the abs are about as good as anyone in the NHL at scoring in transition. That's fair. So I I don't have an issue with that. If they if they were going to be a cycle team, I would want them to be the best in the NHL at that. Uh, I would rather do that than be well-rounded and be like 12th best at everything. So does a certain amount of this season with the OT, it hasn't been great, but obviously significantly better than last is that just kind of no, come I mean, with the territory? I mean, you go and go and look at the the you go and just look at the OT losses last year versus the OT losses this year, and the ones last year are almost, especially the first half of the year before they went on that three game road trip where they lost uh, out east, where they lost all three games: Washington, the Islanders, and the Bruins, all in overtime. Before that trip, they were just terrible in overtime. They were giving up. I mean, it was just, it was stupid hockey that was killing them. It wasn't systems. It wasn't coaching. It was just, they were playing stupid hockey. And you go and you look at the OT losses that they've had this year. And, you know, like, what was the most recent one where McKinnon lost the faceoff, goes out to the the defenseman, blocks blocks the pass across. It was against Dallas. And blocks the pass across, and if that puck just takes a different bounce, McKinnon's got a clean breakaway the other direction. Instead, it bounces Dallas's way, and Lindell puts it in off the post. Like, yep. that's just a bounce. Like, that's that's just how hockey goes sometimes. Uh, their, their struggles in overtime this year, I, I think it's just been, some of it has been poor goaltending. We've seen goaltending let them down big time in uh, in overtime this year. And some of it has just been, 
you know, you, you have a bad bounce. So I just, I, I don't have any issues with how they've played in overtime as a whole this year. The results obviously suck, but if they play five more overtime games, like the ones that they have, I, I feel like they would have a, a decent chance. I, I, I feel like they would have a fighting chance like they've had in basically over every overtime they've played this season. Is there anything to this? Evan has talked about this a lot. The, the coaching of the three on three overtime. It's much like we saw with four on four as the years went on. It's starting to become a lot. I don't want to say slower, but more efficient teams are very cautious about hanging onto the puck picking their spots on when to even shoot the puck because puck possession has become so important. Does that slowing down affect the abs a bit more than other teams? Maybe. I don't think so. Um, I, I just think it's changed. Uh, teams got smarter in, in how to play. Um, teams just stopped throwing their face out there to get punched in the face so they could try and punch back. Basically. Like, <laughs> Do you remember when three on three just started? Yeah, and it was nonsense. Like it was just breakaway after breakaway after breakaway. Yep. There was defense was just not a thing. Like it was they didn't teams teams and players, they didn't know how to play three on three. They didn't they didn't understand they they didn't understand like the 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 consequences of their decisions, you know? Like they you you would see a guy, a defenseman would jump in because he sees open ice. Well, it's three on three. There's a ton of it. And then the, instead of covering that guy, the guy would take the chance and he would go the other way. His team would win a puck battle and then he's clean for a breakaway. Right? Like it was just, it was mass chaos. And now a much better understanding of how to play three on three and how to defend three on three. And that's why you see teams will pull the puck out of the zone and they'll wait for it. They'll wait for an opportunity. Uh, you know, they'll, they're trying to create those kinds of chances and teams are a lot better at defending them. I don't even know that it's just coach. Like, I don't, I don't know that it's, it got coached out of them so much as just the experience of it. Uh Teams just got a lot better. I mean, we still just don't see very many shootouts. So team games are still regularly ending in three on three. They're just not ending on clean breakaways and in the first forty-five seconds. Right. Like used to. Yeah, the opportunities do seem to eventually come, but they do take a little bit longer to develop. And I do think you brought up a good point with teams understanding how to defend them now. The the three on three rotations of when to switch or when to stick with your man yeah. are a lot more crisp these days. It's it's totally different. So just kind of a, a development on in the OT situation there. Next question, we're going to delve a little bit away from hockey here as Errors Oceans asks if we have any recent music recommendations. I generally am very, very behind the curve when it comes to hip new music and things like that. So I'll just recommend my favorite band of all time, which is Cake. I think their music holds up anytime, any place. Sure. <laughs> Sounds good. You got nothing? Uh, I, I read a thing recently that said that r the average age uh, where you stop uh, listening to new music and stop and stop like adopting new music is about thirty. 
and I am 32 now and have totally given up. I'm not even trying anymore. Like I used to like try and keep up with it, but the major shift towards uh, towards hip hop and um, the 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 kind of pop music that's out there these days, it's just not for me. I'm it, it just doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't appeal to me. It, it appeals to my entire generation. It just I just missed out on it. I'm just not interested. I will say. I do listen to the radio quite a bit in my car because oh, I'm old school and, and just never bought a MP3 player or a Spotify subscription or anything like that. But Neon Tree's new single, I actually like quite a bit. I do not like any of their older stuff, like, at all, but their new single is good. That's cool. It, I'm, I'm, I, like, my sweet spot, like, back in 2000 to 2006, like... Give me, give me emo bands. Give me punk bands. Oh, give well, me like late nineties, like alt rock. Like I'm good. Like that'll be my sweet spot forever. Anytime I can find a ska band that isn't delving way too deep into the indie scene, I'm all about that. Like there you go. less than Jake and Real Big Fish way back in the day. Mm, that's my jam. Ugh. No, disappointing. No. You're not a horns yeah. guy, are you? I was not. I really did not like Real Big Fish, and there were some songs from Less Than Jake I really liked. All right, um, but I really didn't like Real Big Fish. I tried. If you at least like some Less Than Jake, I don't have to kick you off the podcast. So <laughs> I got that going for me. I did. I did like some Less Than Jake. Yeah, they uh, they're solid. I'm, you know, I um, I don't know, man. I'm just with my with me. It's just recycling <laughs> the old stuff. Like my. Spotify did the awesome thing where they're like, here's your top songs of the decade. And that was cool. You know, I, uh, my, my top songs from last year were a bunch of interesting, it was like an interesting combination of, of artists. Some of them relatively new, but like, it's got like, it's like loaded with like the newest Backstreet Boys album. Right. Like, yeah, (laughs) I guess that's considered new music, but I really like, I really liked the most recent Backstreet Boys album. That was great. I guess Eminem did just drop a new album, but I thought it was just okay. I didn't love it. I, his Kamikaze, I thought, was amazing. And his new one, I, he does too many collabs for me, to be honest. You know, I will say, uh, I did really like... Uh, there was an album um, that uh, Joyner Lucas released last year that I really liked. Yeah. So, I guess there's that. Was it... ADHD or some yeah. other one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there are some good songs on that. I do like that. Yeah. Him and Logic. I, like, so I, I really like that. So, so I guess I haven't completely given up. I just, more, it was more or less I came across it randomly and was like, oh. I mean, that's I actually really like those. kind of how I find music now is just like the YouTube <laughs> algorithm takes me into a deep hole and <laughs> this is where we ended up. <laughs> so, I don't know. We're not music buffs, either of us, clearly. <laughs> Moving on to the next yeah, question. Like, oh, back ahead. in the day, totally. But these days, dude, I've I've got way too much going on. Yeah, I never was, to be honest with you. <laughs> I I will I will cycle through what I'm comfortable with while I'm doing stuff now instead of listening to stuff I'm unfamiliar with because I just get frustrated. 
Fair like, enough. If, I, yeah. if, if I'm like five songs into something, I'm and like, it God, this all is sucks. Bad. It's just why even keep going? Yeah, exactly. Then I just get I just get annoyed where I'm just like, no, nah, I'm good, man. This this is just a waste of my time. Definitely fair. Uh, one last question for period two. I'm pretty sure we have the same answer, and I'm pretty sure every Avs fan will have this answer. If you could go back and attend one game in NHL history, which would it be and why? Yeah, I mean, game seven of 2001. Yep. No doubt about it. Like, like second on that list would be game four of 96. <laughs> yep. I I mean, game. to be honest, I don't even care to be in the building for game seven 2001. I'd want to be, but like, if you just put me in there for the last like minute and then the ceremony, that'd be plenty. <laughs> <laughs> see i mean i'd like to watch the game like knowing how it's turned out i'd like to watch the game if i had to go in not knowing the results uh that stress might keep me away fair enough <laughs> so i'd i'd be hard pressed to find unless like you were there i guess any abs fan that would disagree because if you were there then i guess you could pick another one but yeah yeah you don't have to worry about that one right <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up period two there. Game seven is often known as the rubber match, and Denver Rubber Company is one of the best local contractors for your long-term projects. They're able to hook you up with pretty much anything you need if it's made out of rubber, from custom die-cut gaskets to custom contract manufacturing, and specifically snow plow blade rubber. The snow, it keeps teasing us, but I guarantee you, knowing Colorado, come February, March, and April, there's going to be some days where it dumps, and Denver Rubber Company can hook you up with snowplow rubber that can be cut to size and pre-slotted into most specifications. Pretty much whatever you need, they can fit it, and they even have cool technology where it's double-sided, so once one side wears down, you can flip it over, and you have basically an entire another snowplow blade to use. It's awesome. They create all sorts of awesome stuff as well, including materials that even go in bulletproof vests. Highly recommend you check them out for any of your project needs. You can reach them at 1-800-259-0010 or online at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's. I'm Rudo. He's AJ. Your questions. Let's get into it immediately. Zach D asks, if Burakovsky continues to play as well as he has this year and puts up career numbers, what does his next contract look like? And obviously, it's hard to get into specifics there. More what I wanted to look at with this question is comparable players to Andre Burakovsky right now. Look at... Uh, a comparable player. Yeah, I know. I, I kind of put you on the spot here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look at a guy like... <clears throat> maybe a guy like Jason Zucker. Yeah, that's not a bad comparable, I think. Um, Although, he had a 30-30 season and then signed his contract. So, that's probably on the high end. I think, I, I think like, a four-year deal... <clears throat> Uh, we'll say three to five years because I don't want to get too specific, but <clears throat> like a three to five year deal, I think is probably fair. And I don't know, somewhere between four and five and a half million probably would make sense. 
um, just spitballing a little bit. Yeah, obviously, yeah. don't take any of this too seriously. It's all all a big grain of salt on the spot here. But I I agree. Yeah, I like think the maybe maybe more appropriate would be like Tomas Hurdle. Yeah, that'd be an interesting one actually. Who right right around the same age, a four year deal at five point six million, and he had his point per game season the first year after signing. And that but was the guy that who... was like a seven. Well, he was like a multi forty point guy. Right, Burkowski's just shy of that. I I do like the five million number. <clears throat> I think quite a bit. I think that sounds about correct to me. Yeah. Um. So maybe a little bit yeah. cheaper than Hurdle. Yeah, Hurdle at five six uh two five. Hurdle is also, I think, he might have been a year older at the time of signing, so a year closer to free agency. So right. that could make up the difference in that deal. Um, you know, taking count some inflation between now and then, cap going up, blah 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 blah, all those things. Um, and I think like a five two five between three and five year deal at like five two five is something I would probably be comfortable with. And I mean, realistically. Given the season Gabe Landeskog is having, the Evs have some money to play with. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're looking at nine or ten million for Landy anymore. Yeah, so definitely not quite as much of a crunch in the immediate, to say the least. Or you know, Kale McCarr will just make even more money. Pick, take your pick there, but right. Uh, okay. Next question, which is one I guarantee you haven't heard before. Okay. Rick asks. If Gritty fought Howler for the last fruit cocktail in the lunch line at the home for banned NHL mascots, would that googly-eyed, orange-haired freak live out the day? Or yeah, absolutely. You think Gritty takes down Howler? Dude, Gritty's a psycho. He's the, Howler is a yeti, though. All right, what if Howler was the three-headed monster, though? Because I think this is a conversation that I had with someone, and yes, they should bring back Howler, but it should have three heads. Does he still just have two arms? Sure, yeah, just three heads on a on a normal Yeti body, I guess, if you can call a Yeti body normal. Um, I might still take Gritty. Gritty is, he's pretty crazy. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me for Gritty to bring, like, some sort of weapon into the conversation, so. Gritty, Gritty's brain is the real weapon, because he's totally unpredictable. <laughs> he's a psycho, dude. You just can't... You just can't get comfortable with what's coming because you just you just never really know with that dude. <laughs> I gritty, mean, gritty just gritty freaks me out, man. Like, I think gritty is great and one of the most fun things to happen in the NHL in a long time. But this, I say this, assuming that he's not actually out there assaulting teenage kids. Yeah, that. I mean, obviously, that would be very bad news. But yeah, I mean. It would be like what Howler did. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a kid. It was a Red Wings fan, but you know. Don't blame the man in the suit for the mascot itself. Put it that way. Because Gritty will be crazy no matter who's in the suit, in my opinion. Yeah. So. All right. All right, I guess. Yeah, I, uh, I, I would go with Gritty. I just think Gritty's too, too, too volatile, too unpredictable, too unwilling to do something that the rest of us might not be comfortable. <laughs> so when we set up uh, the charity UFC event for mascot fights, put your money on Gritty. There we go. Don't invite him. Uh, don't invite him at all. Just don't yeah. even let him in. 
Don't invite him. That's that's the dude who would like stash a razor blade in one of oh, the yeah. googly eyes. You know he's one hundred percent breaking any rules you lie down for sure. That's, like that's what I'm saying. Just don't invite him, man. <laughs> you know it's gonna be a problem. So just don't bother. There you go. Uh, I unfortunately cannot disagree that I think Gritty would find a way to win any fight, whether it be eye gouging or or whatever is necessary. (laughs) Whether it be legitimate means or not. Yeah. Uh, This is a question we've kind of already talked about before, so we'll keep it brief. You can just give me one name if you'd like to keep it that short. Who do you think will be an Av for longer? Ryan Graves or Nikita Zadorov? Ryan Graves. All right. I I could see it being Zadorov, but I don't think that Graves has any chance of getting traded. The only concern I would have is the expansion draft. Right. Exactly. If they both go into the offseason and they both get extensions, I think there's a good chance that one of the two certainly gets claimed. Yeah. So. I think I think if I'm Seattle, um it's either like Jost or one of those defenders and I just think one of the defenders would be more valuable right now. Yeah. Without that's in a vacuum without knowing what the protection lists are for 30 other NHL teams. I'm sorry, 29 other NHL teams. Vegas should Vegas have to have their them. stuff taken. I'm salty about it. Oh, dude, I'm so annoyed by it. Team went to the cup it's finals in their first year, and they well, and, and more than that, man. It's just it's allowed them to be as aggressive as they want to be because they just don't ever have to worry about it. Yep, they can... it's a total competitive advantage, and why the other GMs are cool with that. Uh, well, I guess it's not the GMs; the owners are cool with it because Vegas isn't getting any of that expansion money. So, at the end of the day, as always, it just comes down to rich people making decisions. The almighty dollar, as it were. I'm not jaded at all. No, no. (laughs) Well, I mean, someone's making a lot of money. It isn't us, but someone. (laughs) So, yeah. All just cogs in the machine for the man. (laughs) Well, I mean, look, at least Vegas didn't win a cup and then also gets to be exempt. No, they might this year. That's true. There's still time, but I would not put my money on Vegas at the very least. I mean, they got two years to get it done. Which brings me to my next question. Is there anyone or who specifically would you fear the most as a playoff matchup for the Avs? I know this is something we've talked about before, Mm. but the more and more I think about it, I'm really not that afraid of St. Louis. I'm not afraid of anybody. I like the confidence. Uh, I it's it's not even just like like confidence in the abs as much as it is as um the entire West has deep flaws this year. And that includes the abs. And a seven game series, you just don't know what it looks like until it happens. You know, I say that, but like we know what Vegas and San Jose looks like, right? Because we see it every year. Sure. But we don't know what Colorado St. Louis in a seven game series is would look like. We've seen them play four times in the regular season and the home team has won every game. So now you're going into game five. Well, that sure makes the, uh, uh, that sure makes the home ice advantage pretty damned important. Doesn't it? 
Well, and only one of those games has even been a little bit close. So they've been. I mean, the the last game. Yeah, that's the one that's been close. Like, the. Yeah, I mean, it was four three. In the waning moments of that game, so yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. Right, and again, the home team has come out on top, as you said. I don't know if the Avs will be able to catch St. Louis in the second half, but certainly they're set up to take a run with one of the easiest schedules. I think they do it. You my, think so? My, my bold prediction is that they catch them. I like the bold prediction. I don't think they will, which makes for a very interesting first-round matchup. Probably Dallas. Why don't you think they will? Just too far behind, or yeah, I just they're think it's, too consistent. It's too much ground to make up with how many wins St. Louis is going to be able to get, especially with Tarasenko coming back soonish for them. Ah, he's not though. Is he not? You missed this. You missed this news today. I yeah. did. He, uh, the news came out that he could be out longer than expected, and um, or that he w- is expected to be out longer than the original time frame. I mean, that's a little so, vague, but okay. Him, him coming out um, soon. I'll, I will pull up the exact tweet here in a sec. All right. When we get on to another question. But point is, is that he's not supposed to be coming back immediately. Well, we don't have another question. So. <laughs> um, okay. I'm sure he's not coming back immediately one way or another. And that definitely helps the Avs chances of, of being able to get back. Well, they're already in the race, but being able to overcome the Blues deficit that they have. Still not sure they get there, but either way, expecting a very good second half for the Avs is a little bit of a different feel than the past couple of years. So I'm excited for that. AJ, while you're pulling up yeah. this tweet, if you want or not, final thoughts here? Yeah, I uh, honestly, man, I, I feel really good about the team in the, in the second half of the season. Uh, I think that they are one of the best teams in the West. And I think they're going to have a really strong, uh, a really strong finish. So I'm, I'm, I'm confident in the team. And I, I think that they're, I think they're going to win the central. All right. Well, I think they're going to do something big at the deadline, like big ish. Um, which we got plenty of questions about that. We will be answering them in our trade deadline, which we're going to start doing weekly pods about. So, yeah. And I, so I think, I think there's, I think they're going to do something big. I think they're going to do something meaningful. I should say not big. Cause that implies like a Taylor Hall type thing. And that's not what I mean, but <clears throat> I think they're the, they're, I think Grubauer is going to find that groove. And I think that he, McKinnon, Ranton, and McCarr, these guys are all going to get on the same same page at the same time, and they're going to be the toughest team to stop. I I would not be surprised if they go on some kind of crazy run, like a 13-2 and two kind of run at some point during the second half of the season. That would be sweet. I, I just I just have a lot of confidence in the team right now, man. I just getting away from it for a week. And stepping back and kind of looking at everything not so up close all the time and taking a deep breath. I just think that 
we because we see them every day and because we break them down little piece by little piece every day uh i think that we might have under we might be underrating them a little bit i think that they're really really good man and the best part is they're going to continue to be real good as you wrote about oh, this, their their decor is going to get better this is just starting like this is their first true year of cup contention for in in my opinion and from here i think it's just going to be I don't know. Well, I'm excited. Um, I just think that this is a cup team, man. I I don't know that they win the cup this year, but I think that if they end, if if we're still working come June, I won't be surprised. I like it. I don't know if they win the cup this year either, but at very least they should come close. If not win it over the next handful of years. But if you're not, It's really hard to imagine, like, a, a core with McKinnon, Rantanen, and, and Makar that it's only going to get a little bit, even if it just gets a little bit better over the next few years. If Byram even lives up to 70% of his potential, like... <sighs> it's going to be fun, to say the least. Yeah. All right. Well, if you're not as high eh, eh, on the abs as us... Nice. You can go to The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now, go to their website, mygreensolution.com, order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. And you can use code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. That is going to do it for us on this one. Hopefully we answered a good number of y'all's questions. And I'm sure we'll do it again soon. As I said, if you have questions for future episodes, please put them on the DNVR.com or on this podcast posts. Those are the ones we give priority to. So, yeah, until tomorrow, we will talk to you then.